Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, Season 5, Episode 7, your deep dive into anything and everything related to Yellow Jacket Athletics. He's the big sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and I guess now this is the official first episode of the winter season because after last weekend, all of the fall sports can go into hibernation. Yes, correct, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, Everybody that was playing in the postseason from the fall is now concluded for their seasons, their respective seasons. What a fall season it was, by the way. Holy smokes, a lot of hardware in there. But uh, Well, that's like I had to make notes. So oh, I, yeah, that's what that is. Well, okay. I, had to, I, I kind of tallied it up and everything. I think there were seven trophies. If you count regular season and, yeah. and tournament championships, there's seven new trophies yeah. coming to the trophy case, case which is kind We're of, running out of space, John. It's we overflowing can, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're going to so have to try to find good a problem to have, yeah, I good guess. Problem but have, yeah. men's golf. Men's golf. Men's cross. Yep. Women's cross. Yep. And then the two soccer teams sweeping. Yep. Gives yep. us that's know, a lot set, of hardware. That's a lot of hardware. That's a lot of hardware. You know, and then individually, men's golf four all conference players. Yep. Rookie of the year, Blue Anderson. Coach mm-hmm. of the year, Paul Eberhardt. Women's golf had one all conference player. Men's cross country had eight all conference, plus the individual medalist, right? Michael Butterfield, mm-hmm. plus coach of the year, Glenn Drexler. Right. Women had four all conference picks, plus the medalist. Plus Coach Cora, of the Year. Cora Hudella. Yep. And then Coach of the Year again, Glenn Drexler. Volleyball had two all-conference two. plus co-defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. Men's soccer had seven all-conference plus Coach of the Year. Women's soccer, seven all-conference. Defensive player of the, the year, year, Brennan, Brennan Matson, yep. and Coach of the Year. So that's a lot of awards. Whoa. Yeah, that's a hefty That's a hefty haul. It's, it's a haul, you know. And a haul from the fall is, is what it, we had. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. And – the the UMAC has the the Jerome Cruz Trophy, which is the right. all sport trophy. We've affectionately nicknamed it Uncle Jerry, and un- Uncle Jerry lives at the end of the hall. He does for, at least, he, you know, for the last two years. Yeah, he has a very nice room, and you know the fall sports definitely doing their part to make sure that Uncle Jerry stays for a third. Yeah, year. they have uh, they've definitely set us up for hopefully a nice uh, run also in the winter and the fall or in the spring. Excuse me. Um, you know it it it's always a little bit bittersweet when a season comes to an end for a team. Um, both soccer teams, you know, the women gave a good accounting of themselves against lacrosse. The uh, the men had things get away from them a little bit early on against St. Olaf and never really got back into it. I, I watched that whole match. Um, they're good. Yeah, St. Olaf is very, very good. They were very good. Yeah, they've got, I mean, they're Mayak champs for a reason. They yep. swept as well, by the way, in the Mayak. They yep. won the regular season and the conference tournament title. Yep. Um, and they were the top seed in the pod for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they defeated Carlton the next day. Yep. In a game that uh, was one nothing, but they really. What was that like in Northfield? Do you think? Um, you know, when I mean, not com- quite as high profile yeah. as if it were football, right? But what, what was that like in Northfield? Because those their campuses are what two miles apart? Yeah, probably. I, I would assume that it was it was quite electric. Mm-hmm. Um, because when St. Olaf and Carlton meet up in a game, just a regular season game, much less an NCAA tournament game, sure. Um, the atmosphere is electric. Yeah, across the board. Um, you know they. The Oles and the, and the Knights had played earlier in the year, and St. Olaf had won one nothing. That game was played at Carleton, and uh, this this time, of course, it was at uh, Melby Field, which is the home field of St. Olaf soccer, which is where, of course, UWS had to play St. Mm-hmm. Olaf as well. Um, and for people who don't know, Melby Field is in a bowl. It sits in a bowl, and there's a, there's grass um, hills, I guess, around the outside. And one of the things like, that yeah. we used to do. Uh, is and this is of course before they they uh, remodeled the field and everything. We used to actually just walk down from the dorms behind because there's woods. There's a huge dorm on top of one of the hills, and so you can walk down and then just sit on the on the uh, on the 
on the grassy knolls and, and watch the games. And uh, I would assume that that was pretty much the case again. Sure. Yeah. Um, they Back then, they still had stands on the far side, but just about nobody ever sat in the stands, at least as far as the St. Olaf contingent. Um, so uh, I would assume that it was very, very well attended. I'm assuming that it was also very, very, very um, heated at times, I would mm-hmm. expect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the rivalry between the two schools is not so nasty, at least it wasn't when I was there, that it gets super personal. But in an NCAA tournament game, all bets are off. Right. So, you know, um, certainly uh, it, it would have been – it would have been a festive atmosphere for sure. That, sure. that would have that would have brought out a lot of people. Sure. For sure. For sure. Um, uh, I did also, by the way, I wanted to make sure I made this note. Uh, I learned something new this week, John. Congratulations. And it had, relates directly to women's <laughs> basketball. Okay. Uh, for people who may not be aware, the women's basketball team opened up their season this past week, and they split two games. Mm-hmm. Went down to the the Ratner Center and played the Midway Classic, which is hosted by the University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played their first game against Denison and lost by three. But then in the second game, they played a team called Pomona Pitzer and beat them 70-57. Congratulations to them on the win. Absolutely. But one of the things I was kind of curious about is that Pomona and Pitzer are a joint operation. Correct. What people do not know, and I don't think people know this for sure, they're part of the Claremont Colleges, and there are five of them. All right, So there's a consortium between the five of them. They call it a consortium. There are five. I found this out during the game. I was doing some research. Mm-hmm. There are five undergraduate programs and two – um, postgraduate schools that okay. are part of this consortium, but the five colleges are what we're gonna we want to focus on because uh, this is the interesting part. They have two different functioning, fully funded D three athletic programs on those two five campuses that are all running together. Claremont, Mud Scripps, Mud Scripps yep. is one. And then Pomona Pitcher is the other. They're big in the track and field world, yeah, because they it seems like they are always hosting championships. But they also play in the same conference. Interesting. And they have their separate athletic facilities. They have separate colors, separate, separate names of their teams. And they play each other twice a year, most sports, and they play each other in number of sports. It's called the Sixth Street Rivalry. Hmm. But yeah, they're the only, I, can, I can't think of another setup where you have two fully functioning nope. Division three athletic programs on the same, essentially the same campus. Interesting. And they have their own home facilities. They so have their own. We could be in the same classes yep. and play on different teams. Yep. And it, it was very – actually, D3 football did a, a, a story about this because okay. they played each other for the, uh, for the conference crown a couple of years ago, Claremont Mud Scripps and uh, um, Pomona Pitzer. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to see the different, like, descriptions of it. My sister actually got into Claremont. Okay. Uh, and she visited there. And I asked my mom about this because I was curious to see how this all works out. Because mm-hmm. they literally are, like – they're technically five different institutions, but they literally are side by side. They literally run into each other. That's interesting. Yeah. And so it's it, one of the things that they talked about was that this rivalry is actually pretty intense between the Pomona Pitzer and also Claremont Mud and Scripps. Mm-hmm. But it's essentially one big student body because all the students are allowed to commingle and go into each other's. It would almost be like if, you know, closer to home, if, yeah. you, if it were like in the Mayak, Hamlin, McAllister, St. Yep. Thomas. We're all you in the know, same Concordia, space. Concordia, St. Paul, we're all In the together. same space, yeah. yeah. It's essentially what it is. And they have two, like I said, they have two completely separate athletic departments between the five schools, hmm. which I did not know. And we beat one. Yeah, and we beat one of them. Awesome. Pomona Pitzer. Um, but each campus also has its own unique culture, apparently, which the architecture is slightly different. The mm-hmm. approach of the campus, the, the focus academically is slightly different. It's a really interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, it's a really interesting setup. And they're actually five, all five schools are really heavily regarded, mm-hmm. highly regarded. 
in the education world. But I just I, I was trying to think. There's not another. I don't think consortium. I've never of heard school. of anything like that. I mean, you, no. you know, the junior college level, I've heard of that. Right, but yeah. never, never in division. I mean, three. how about that? That's that's something. That's I pretty mean, interesting. Yeah, that's and that you have people who, when the rivalries come around, they play each other. They might be going to the same classes together. Right. They might have the same labs together because there are joint facilities. Mm-hmm. They have one big library. They have one big student center. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's that. How, think about that for a second. That is. That's interesting. Yeah. It's. <laughs> yeah. You literally have. You know, we talk about Carlton and Saint Olaf being within mm-hmm. two or three miles of each other. How about a quarter of a mile away from each other? Right. <laughs> or in the same building. Or in the same building. Or in the same times. building. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that that how how as an athlete how would you have been able to handle that if you, if you had played at one of those schools? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, it's it's really a, it's a weird setup. It yeah, really it really is. I mean, it's very unique. I don't know how I would. I mean, be I, I guess the closest thing that I can before we'll finish the point and then jump back into what happened here. But right. I guess the closest thing I can come up with was, you know, I grew up in Chisholm, right? And our hockey program was Chisholm and Cook, right? We were a co-op, and we played cook in other sports. Okay. So guys that I played hockey with, I played against in baseball and football. Right. And yeah. I guess that's probably the closest I could yeah. I could come to it. It's odd. Yeah, it it's, is. It's, it's you know, once the game of... starts, you don't think about it. Right. But yeah. I guess that's probably about the closest I could come. They had an eight-minute video on YouTube you can watch where they actually chronicled the rivalry, and you can see, like, the basketball game, and it gets heated. I bet. <laughs> it's crazy. I can, I can imagine. It's really funny because they play each other. Both both teams play each other twice a year. Mm-hmm. And they're both the men's teams are both really good. Right. NCAA tournament level teams, so it gets pretty heated. Interesting, but yeah, it's a very, it's a very different kind of it is setup. I, I'm kind of marveling at it. I was kind of like, <laughs> wow, this is really something. It is. That's, <laughs> that's interesting, but uh, that's that's where it relates to UWS. Okay, was that? Uh, so we, we covered the women. Yep, they had a nice win. They shot fifty percent in the game. Lisa Bessenden had a huge game. Yeah, she in did. That game she had a good weekend. Yeah, she had twenty six. Uh, right now, she's leading the UMAC in scoring, mm-hmm. and uh, she was player of the week. So yeah, congratulations she's... to her. And then on the men's side. They've had a quite a start to the year. They really have. They've had a great start yes, to the year. Yes, they have. I have not seen, and I told Greg this, um, Greg Polkowski, the head coach, I told him I have not seen a better start from a UWS men's basketball team perhaps ever as far as, like, quality wins. Quality wins. You've yeah. seen 3-0 starts, but... Yeah, know. but against this this the, level of opposition, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you go down to McAllister and you win by 15 against a McAllister team that's expected to challenge in the in the MIAC this year. Mm-hmm. Then you come home and you play lacrosse, a team you haven't beaten since 2010. Yep. And that is consistently a top team in the WIAC. Mm-hmm. And then you beat them. And then the next night, you beat River Falls, a team you hadn't beaten since 2012. Right. And to do that, you know, beat, beat those three teams within a four-day period was pretty darn impressive. Yeah, and Javon impressive. Walker, Woo! he went off. Yes, he did. He went off. Yes, he did. 38 points, career high for him. Uh, Average 26 for the week. Yeah, and he's averaging 28 on the year. Yep. Um, obviously, UMAC Player of the Week. Yep. And he scored 32 of those points in the second half. And he had a four-point play in the second half where he got hit on a three-point shot by Jacob Butler from uh, River Falls. And at that point, it was pretty clear he yep. was having a, he was in for a special night. Yep. And they just couldn't stop him. No. They couldn't stop him. I mean, he was just he was in his zone. Um, and I had not seen him play that well, perhaps, ever. I mean, he's been on a really nice run. Well, he had a, he had a great second year. half last year. Yeah, and starting this year, mm-hmm. uh, he's led them in scoring in all three games so far. Um, and so he had a great run there. Um, you know, it, it's going to be fun to see if they stay healthy. It'll be fun to see how what they can accomplish this year because yep. this is, you know, this is an unprecedented start in my broadcast career mm-hmm. of covering them, of seeing how well they're playing right now. Yep. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see if they can keep it up. Mm-hmm. You know, and the same thing with the women. I mean, that was a nice 
performance down there. Hopefully they'll be able to keep it up as well. Yeah. Um, you know, volleyball, we haven't touched on them yet. Unfortunately, they did lose to Northwestern. No shame in that. No. Uh, but Northwestern back to the NCAA tournament. The women making it to the UMAC tournament title game for the second straight season. Congratulations mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, of course, we've got the hockey teams and the cross-country teams. Cross-country was at the – They were at the regionals. The regionals, the NCAA regionals. Yep, down at Colfax. Yep. And uh, That's a tough field, man. Men fin- I, men were 20th, women were 23rd. Okay. Yeah, it was. I know they were in the 20s somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a really tough field, but uh, still a really nice year for them. Great year for them. And then um, you got uh, the hockey teams, and finally the men got to win. Got the Schneid. Yeah, yeah, and I know. I think you described it as a workmanlike or or a gritty win. I think. Is yeah, it was blue collar. Yeah, blue collar. It was win. blue collar. Um, you know, they got down two to one against St. Mary's, and then had to battle back. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, scored three goals. Was it three goals in the third? Oh, two. Two. Two yeah. third. They were okay. tied. Okay. They got one about halfway through the second period. A lot tied. of penalties, it felt like. There was a few. Yeah, there was yeah, a few penalties, a few in, that penalties in there. But a nice win for Coach Rich McKenna and company, mm-hmm. so congratulations to them. And then uh, women's hockey, um, you know, they had a, a run of bad fortune, yeah. I would say, down at Eau Claire. Yeah. And there seems to be some mis- uh, or, or I don't know if that penalty needed to be clarified or what. I No one seems to know what happened. I talked to the, to the women after the game when they came back. Yeah. And none of them could give me a straight answer. No, as to what happened. I was watching it. You know, I, I was I was yeah. doing some some prep work and uh, watching that. And after I watched the soccer matches, and it, I couldn't figure out what it. What you know, and, was. and there's really yeah. no replay, so it's not like I could watch it two or three times to figure it out. But even like the people doing the play by play had no idea what the call was. Yeah, it was really strange. Yeah, and I, I well, because I asked the players that were of course suited up and on the bench, that did you get an explanation? And they said not really. Yeah. Uh, which leads me to think that neither uh, Dan O nor uh, Emma Peterson, the assistant coach, got explanations on it really that made sense either. So, right. The mystery penalty ended up dooming them. They were up two to one, uh, gave a power play goal. Um, and then I think they, they got a. The power play goal put, a, put Eau Claire ahead. Okay. You know, they got, they got okay. the goalie out. They were, you know, because there was less than three minutes to go. They okay. got their goalie out. Uh, they, they scored to tie it. Okay. Then they got the power play goal less than a minute after and that. Then an and then they netter. got the empty netter. And it was, so it was a very strange looking five to two final. But. Yeah. Four two was a four two. Four two. Okay, okay, but yeah, it was a very, you know, it, 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 it was a strange, yeah, sequence of events. <laughs> it was, it was. <laughs> you know, so, and uh, the mystery penalty, I guess, will remain a mystery unless uh, someone from the league office calls. They're or, not going to. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and They're explains not going to, to Dan what happened. I don't know, right? You know, yeah. but anyway, so they had a tough luck loss. Yep. But uh, nice, like I said, to see the men get the win and uh, probably. You think it was their best game so far that they played overall? Um, it was their most complete game. Okay, it was their most complete game. You know, um, yeah, it's on it the probably, back of the net finally. I yeah, mean, they it, finally scored some goals. Yeah, uh, I, I would say it was probably their best game. Okay, okay, yeah, because I was, you know, I was with basketball, so mm-hmm. um, I was really impressed. They got down fifteen to three in the first half against River Falls, and I was like, oh boy. Well, because one of the <laughs> this things this would be fun one to call. <laughs> well, this is one of the things that I talked about with Coach Greg Polkowski too before the game. He's like, you know, this is our third game in four days. We're pretty leggy. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, let's see. Yeah, they were steps slow to start for sure. And River Falls, having lost the previous night to Concordia, was pretty motivated. Yeah. And they came in and they 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 hit the Yellow Jackets with a couple of haymakers. But then, like once the, the the you know the switch flipped, it really flipped. Yeah. And then it became a, a real dogfight for about the last about thirty minutes of the game. Um, and behind Javon Walker, of course, his big game, they began to pull away in the second half as as time went on. Mm-hmm. And, um, really impressive win because that's a big, strong, physical team in uh, in River Falls, and they lean on you. Yeah, and the, you know they were leaning on the Jackets pretty hard, but uh, you know the guys came through, made plays when they needed to, got some big moments from other guys as well, and 
You know, Joseph Farenholz carried him at the start when the yep. guys were trying to find themselves. He's like the a only bit. guy who could score in the first quarter. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, you know, after that, Javon took over. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, just really impressed and really happy with where the men are at right now, and hopefully they can keep it rolling. Going back to women's hockey, Rose Beeman was a WIAC player of the week. She was, yeah, so she was. Forget that too, because yeah. she had a. In the, you know, I, I felt bad for her. Yeah, you know, she she had uh, a lot of pucks coming at her. I, I talked to her, especially specifically. in that third period. Her and Molly and, Black, I got the chance to actually talk with both of them. Yeah, and uh, she said, I don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> that was. They both said the same thing. We don't know what happened. They don't know what happened, but so, she was WIAC Player of the <laughs> yeah, Week. So congratulations so, to Rose Beeman. Yeah, as well. that's in regards to the penalty. Yep. So anyway, anyway, okay. but that was uh, not a bad rundown for a very very busy week. Yeah, yeah. Nine total games, seven different teams. <laughs> so just in case you were keeping track back home, this is this is what the week that was. was. A lot of recaps to write, but <laughs> at any rate, we're going to take a timeout and we'll come back with a roundtable segment of this week's show where we will talk basketball. Greg Polkowski will be our guest, and we'll. Dive a little bit deeper into what happened last week and uh, talk a little bit more about the start for his team. Sounds like a plan to me. All right, we'll take a time out. We'll be right back. You're watching Eye of the Swarm. We're back for the roundtable segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm, and it's time for us to talk a little bit of basketball with head coach Greg Polkowski and the man of the hour, UMAC Player of the Week, and the guy who couldn't miss on Saturday, at least according to you. Couldn't miss Javon Walker, so thanks guys for being with us here. But you were there, so I was. you know we. I'm uh, I'll hand it off to you. You're the basketball guy, so let's let's let her rip. Well, let me just say first of all, we've got a family of rubber duckies here. Um, <laughs> you want to explain it? Uh, um, so this is gonna be Javon's chance to introduce himself as the rubber ducky. Yeah, so I think it happened at the soccer game. Probably one of my first soccer games I've ever worked. Um, Garber told us that uh, everybody gets a nickname. Move a little closer. There you uh, go. Everybody gets a nickname. I was doing field subs that day, I think, and I don't remember. Maybe it was Jeff. Jeff said something about uh, saying Roger or Rubber Duck over the over the uh, walkie-talkie, and then Garber and I just locked <laughs> eyes. We were like, there it is. There it is. And there it is, Rubber Duck. Every student who <laughs> yes. works for me, I like to give nicknames to. Yes. And it's something that kind of happens organically. Yeah. And that was the one. And it stuck, so. Well, I remember, okay, so this goes back now to last year when I'm doing games in the press box, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, I hear this behind me, and I'm like. And then later on, I hear it again. It's him. And he's, apparently, this is his way of, of saying 10-4 to Javon. 10-4 over and out. Yeah, whatever. whatever there were. Subs being reported. Right. And Javon's like, oh, by the way, 14 for 10 or whatever. And he'd give it a quick little. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was like. Yeah. Can never do it as afterward. <laughs> and I was like, it took me a little while to figure it out. Like, this was like some kind of Morse code conversation that was happening. But I finally did figure it out. It was a little disconcerting at first. So I was like, why is there a duck behind me? <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, yeah. So which that's which where, led to this. Which and, led to this. Uh, and this and became a thing last we, year. We made a deal <laughs> yes. where if he hit a three and I was working the basketball table, he was going to quack as he came by the table. And he did. Yeah. And then the family of rubber ducks showed up yeah, at the scorer's exactly. table. Yes, and the family of rubber ducks. Although I think the rubber duckies have been a little bit absent so far this year, have they not? Yeah, yeah. we didn't have them down yeah. there this weekend. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll make sure that. Staff setting yeah. up the table, have them down there going forward. I'll, I'll add I got a rubber duck tie <laughs> yeah, to go along yeah. with them, and oh, it was great. It was great. I feel like I should tell Coach Polk to just make sure that's part of his pregame, is to make sure the rubber make sure the ducks are, down there. Yeah, make Saturday, we can have it set up Saturday. Okay, yeah, it'll be the there. rubber duckies. Yes. Down on Look the, out, Rip, and the duck is going to be yeah, there. The duck is going to be there. Um, <laughs> but he usually comes over. I think last year you came over and like petted the duck or touched the duck or. Yeah, I don't remember what game it was. Uh, I just remember we were warming up. Got replaced it. 
like, <laughs> the duck, the duck is here. Yeah. <laughs> so for those of you, if you ever watch now on iFan or anything like that, and you, you see, see, you see the family the of rubber ducks, it'll be this family, and they will be at the table. Or table. he hits one and comes by the table and gives us one of these, you know, that's that's the duck. <laughs> that's the duck sign. So, yeah, he's given the... <laughs> Would have been a lot of ducks flying around the, the Mertz on Saturday. Yeah, there were ducks flying around all over the place, um, especially in that four-point play. Which was uh, that? That was when I knew. I was like, okay, this guy—he's in the zone now. Like that's when you know. And you know, as a basketball player, former basketball player myself, and you know, Coach Polk as well. When you got a guy you played, if they want to call oh. it that, yeah, if they want okay. to call it that, played yeah. here. He ran up and down. He ran up and down the, the court yeah. a few times. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, when he hit that shot, that's when I was like, okay, he's he's definitely in, in a zone. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because actually, Coach, you and I had talked about this. It's like you know. One of the things we talked about in the pregame interview was we're not really sure how we're going to come out because the guys are feeling pretty leggy. I mean, this is three games in four days, and I'm just hoping that their legs will hold up. Well, in the first about 10 minutes, it was like it was a wipeout. And I was like, oh, boy. What did you say, a 15-3? 15-3, and then that's when I thought, hmm, okay. But then Coach Polk called a very strategic timeout where he didn't really dial up anything. He just basically said, hey, we're playing basketball now. <laughs> I bet he said exactly that too. Something to that effect. Yeah, so I mean, there was no, there really wasn't any instruction given other than we have to play basketball now. Mm-hmm. Game started. We're five minutes in. You guys aren't playing basketball yet. <laughs> and so after that, then basketball started, and then the game really became interesting. After mm-hmm. that. And that was that's a credit to the guys also kind of picking mm-hmm. it up. But and that's not going to have Javon thirty-two points. Um, I don't know if you're one of those guys that keeps track of what you're doing in your head as far as scoring goes, but that was crazy. I mean, have you ever had a half a basketball like that in your career? I haven't. Um, it kind of, it actually just happened. It was it was I surprised myself honestly. Um, it was just kind of one of those moments where you're just in the zone. Uh, obviously, it was a big contribution to the team in that moment. Just us fighting. Um, I think the turning point of that game was halftime. Uh, coach told us, you know. Yeah, we played three games in four days, but we're not going to use that as an excuse. And I think that's when you kind of saw the team dynamic shift. And, you know, we really started taking off from there. Uh, but, you know, that's just a credit to the teams, credit to, you know, all the coaches just continuing to fight that last 20 minutes of the game. So It wasn't even just scoring, though. No, I mean, it was, you, you it was had everything. rebounds, you yeah. had steals, you had a block. I mean, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was doing everything. <laughs> you, yeah. And you know, to be honest with you, though, I, one of the things that really stood out to me, and I'm sure Coach Polk will echo this at a certain point, the other guys were more than willing to do what they needed to do. They knew Javon was, was on fire offensively and that he was going to be able to kind of carry the mail a little bit. But they did a really good job defensively, also cleaning rebounds when they needed to, um, executing when they needed to. Uh, T.J. Moberg hit a big shot in the second half, that, and he only shot maybe four or five shots for the whole game. Mm-hmm. He made a big three in the second half when they were double-teaming Javon. And so, you know, a lot of the guys came up with big plays. You know, Joy Barker came up with a couple of big rebounds. He didn't have a great offensive game. Joseph Ferenholtz carried the offense for the first about 10 minutes. I mean, he was the only guy that could score in the opening portions of the game. So there was a lot of different elements to it. I mean, you can go and you can say things like, you know, Javon was the man of the day, and he was. But even in a game like that, you know, the guys stepped up until Javon got, got rolling. And then, you know, after that, you know, everything kind of settled in a little bit. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun game to do. It really was. It was, uh, you know, I think, you know, with the three wins that you guys have, I mean, I can't remember the last time a UWS men's team started out 3-0 and and had three better quality wins than the three that you have gotten so far. So, um, you know, I mean, you're, 
there weren't too many people who were expecting River Falls and Lacrosse to go home with two losses. Right from uh, the, from Merrill Thompson this year. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. And so that that must be a nice feeling as well to know that you guys have got big big time quality wins now already on your slate, and you're only three games in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ahead. yeah. No, I think uh, um, I think we're still processing. Um, I think we're on. Since we played McAllister a week ago today, I mean, it still hasn't been that much time with in regards to the games that were played, the preparation we play again tonight. So it's kind of been a, a whirlwind piece. I mean, I think this is even, you know, we've had some team conversations about the weekend, but haven't really even broke it down like this. Um, but just to, to, to your statements and the weekend as a whole, um, you know, one, playing at McAllister on the road, coming back, and I think the event itself was a – a great event with, you know, two, you know, teams with lacrosse and River Falls that, you know, are going to be quality programs this year. Um, and, and Concordia Moorhead, I think, I thought had a great weekend and out of the Mayak. So I thought it was, I thought it was a great weekend of basketball in general. Four really uh, good games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was great games. I thought there was great players across, you know, all four. Um, and then obviously, you know, speaking to what we, we are with Javon, um, you know, had a, had a great game, but had a great game. Uh, Friday had a great game Wednesday. Um, I think what what's to speak to that, you know, not only the team, I'd even connect it to the team performance that with Javon, I think you made a comment maybe before we got on air about, you know, calling, you know, get the ball to Javon type of play call or whatnot. I think what was what was most, uh, I don't know if refreshing is the right word, but I don't know, awesome about it. it was, you know, I don't know if we had more than one or two play calls that whole game for Javonta. So to see the hat, see that happen naturally um, is what we, yeah. we want to see. And I think it's a, a testament to him, to Javon, you know, one, his abilities, two, playing within the team and, and to what you were mentioning some other guys of, of just letting it happen how it happens and let the yep. game present itself. And, and uh, you know, that recip- not the recipient, the person that – had that stat line being Javon, but I mean, I think we were all the recipient, um, you know, everyone here included and, and all the guys. So I thought it was, I thought it unfolded nicely into Javon's statement. Um, yeah, it was a lot of basketball. I mean, I don't know what the, it was 120 minutes uh, of basketball is a lot. Um, so I, I just real proud of the guys of, of fighting through that. And I, I think Javon made a comment about fighting through it. And um, that's kind of, you know, simple and to the point, but that's completely what it was. And, you know, especially going down early, being down at half, um, you know, I just thought our guys did a great job of fighting through the, the whole game, the whole weekend. So yeah, and I, you know, one of the things that I was, I was, you know, I was happy to see is is the contributions that Reed Johnson and Joy Barker made, even though they did not score a lot. Uh, those are two guys that generally are in double figures scoring wise, and Joy hit one three, Reed maybe hit one. He had like five points in the game. I think he his points came on a three and then a breakaway dunk. Um, in the first mm-hmm. half, those are the only points that Reed Johnson had. But those guys really dug in defensively, mm-hmm. and you know those guys got physical when they needed to. Because especially against River Falls, that's a big physical team. Mm-hmm. And those guys are big and they're, and they're well built. And uh, you know when when it came down to it, you guys were able to make the plays down, especially down low. I thought inside you guys competed well and were able to clear some big defensive rebounds in that game as well. No, definitely. I thought you know in that game specifically, just the way. River Falls plays and the physicality they play with, uh, you know, I think rebounding has been something we've tried to put an emphasis on, and it needs to be by committee. And while I don't know if we were stellar uh, over the weekend, but I thought we competed in that mm-hmm. area and, and stuck our nose in there. And you know, I know we were listing guys off. I, you know, I thought 
you know, Joseph Ferenholz had some timely second half rebounds. Uh, a lot of guys. I mean, it was it was a collective effort across the board. Yeah. I mean, even you know Andrew Beers coming in for one or two minutes here or there. Um, you know, I just I think, uh, and the list goes on. I'm not going to be able to yeah. n- name every guy, but it, it was a complete. <laughs> Uh, team effort. Obviously, you need the bat, the ball to go through the basket. And Javon had that going Saturday, and and that and that was um, again. I I'm not trying to coach speak it too much. I think you know there was a, there's an ability piece there, but I think that was driven by like you know we're fighting. We gotta get this right, done, yeah. and I think a lot of that was off offensive flow. But there was a, a number of those you know conversions, if you will, uh, you know on the defensive end that yeah. turned into offense yeah. and, and were some huge plays. So I don't know. Javon can speak to that too. He lived it. (laughs) (laughs) He was the one on the court, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said earlier, just guys stepping up when they needed to step up. I think that's the biggest thing with this team. Uh, It doesn't matter who's doing what for the team uh, in terms of scoring, rebounding, you know, passing the ball. The biggest thing that matters to us at the end of the day is, you know, coming out of there with a win. Uh, That was our mindset, you know, going into that second half. And, that's all we really cared about. It didn't matter who was going to put it in the uh, basket. Uh, we just wanted to win. We wanted to come out of there 3-0. and And, you know, we did that. So we achieved the goal. Uh, now it's on to the next one for us. So It also seems like so far this year, based on what I've seen, that there's a, a, a real comfort level with the guys on the court. The chemistry seems to be really good. I mean, this is one of those things, and Greg, you and I talked about this, especially in the lacrosse game. It really, really mirrored the game against Blattville last year where you guys led for most of the game, slipped away at the end because they made a few plays and there were a few times where you guys got a little bit disjointed on offense. But against lacrosse, that didn't happen. And that was one of those things where, I, again, it's kind of that maturity and that comfort level of what's going on on the court. It really did kind of show, I think, having all those guys back from the, that team last year, that there, there's a certain level of comfort and there's a certain level of confidence now mm-hmm. that you guys can get it done against good teams even when you're ahead you know, and, they're, and they're pushing hard like lacrosse was in that game on Friday where, you know, it's okay, they're pushing hard, but we got this, you know, whereas that might not have been there last year. Yeah, um, yeah. we just enjoy trusting each other. We try to trust each other as much as possible. Obviously, things don't go your way. The ball doesn't always bounce your way, but we just try to stay calm and continue to just believe in one another so that we can just continue fighting. Um, obviously, last year, making it to the conference championship, I think that was a big thing for us, seeing that, okay, you know, we can do this. We have the talent. We have the ability to actually achieve this goal. And now it's just a matter of taking it one step further this year and making that, you know, goal truly achievable. Uh, so that, right now that's our mindset. Um, that left a bitter taste in our mouth last year. And, you know, this year we're trying to leave a bitter taste in somebody else's mouth. So it's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to put it. I like it. John? I, I like it. I I want to go back to the first game of the year because, you know, you mentioned during the first segment that that's a team that's expected to challenge for Yeah, they got a really good the guard top Caleb spot Williams. there. Caleb Williams is a real handful. You, you, and you yeah. get a guy who, you know, a few days before you play him puts 41 on the Gophers. Mm-hmm. How do you, going into that game, I mean, do you, do you look at that and go, holy cow, this guy put up 41 points against a Big Ten team. We have to figure out a way to neutralize that. Or... You know, he's going to get his points. Let's let's take other pieces of the puzzle away. How did you go into all that? Um, yeah, I think a few things. Um, I, I think we've always started, um, or we, I don't know, I think looking back, we're still kind of just finishing week one and having reflected, I don't know when this is going to air, but I'll just, you know, we play, we play St. Scholastica tonight. We played them game one last year. So, 
kind of had a chance to go back and look at that, and you could see a readiness to us. Uh, by no means, not necessarily always clean or you know the final product. So McAllister was game one, and I thought the guys have done a, a real good job with that readiness and, and being sharp. And I thought we saw that down at McAllister. Um, yeah, I mean to speak to McAllister and Caleb Williams. Yeah, great player. What they did in that exhibition against the University of Minnesota was was awesome. Um, I think it was a collective team effort. You know, Javon had a great defensive game. I think he had six steals in that game. I think there was. Uh, uh, an ele- no, a, f- a full element of our, our team defense, which is very important to us, um, and maybe doesn't stick out as much as you know the the thirty eight points or you know these you know timely shots by TJ or Reed or Joy or Joey or everyone. But I think our our team defense is something we treat with with great care. We got down big in that game early, and uh, um, you know I so I think and Javon mentioned trust. I think you see that on the offensive end, but you know what we spend a lot of our time on is is the defensive end, and there's a trust element to that. Um, and I thought that that was on you know you asked about you know I guess how we went about our business. You know our, the defensive end was important to us. That converted a lot. Of, turned into a lot of offense for us. It was a great atmosphere down there. It was a great opening night. Our guys were ready. I thought we guarded you know for the majority of forty, and and you know it, it was I don't. know. We played together. But Caleb Williams is a, a huge prior, uh, focal point going into that game. McAllister, just how they've grown as a program has been, you know, they weren't uh, sneaking up. and or, You know, we knew how good they were, and I right. thought our guys just really answered the call. So, I don't know, Javon, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think going into that game, I mean, it was first game of the year. Obviously, we all saw uh, – a lot of us watched the game, actually, uh, but – like I said, it was the first game of the year. We were excited, you know, just as they were probably were excited just playing the Gophers. But uh, honestly, to us, it never really matters who we're going up against mm-hmm. because uh, it is a team sport. Uh, obviously, a, one guy can take over a game, but I think our defensive ability just goes to show that, you know, we're not going to back down from anybody. We're going to put up a fight no matter what. I think – both or all three games this year we started off slow uh but if you were watching the game you kind of saw that fight and that you know ability to just claw back into the game and kind of put that pressure on the other team and let them know okay um we're here we're here now um we've woken up and we're we're ready to play so obviously McAllister that was a really good team uh it was a good win for us but uh you know, it doesn't matter who we go against. We're just going to fight no matter what. I know that back when you played, the University of Wisconsin would play the WIAC schools. If that opportunity came up, how do you approach a game like that? Yeah, I, I – um... Yeah, and they still are. Okay. Um, you know, okay. with us having the conference change, you know, we're not in that rotation. But just to you know, speak to okay. you know where where that you know opportunity is at or whatnot. Um, I think you know, I think right, like Javon said, you know, I think it's. I, I do think I'm going a little off the grid here, but early on in this college basketball season, just as a whole, whether it be Division three, Division two, II, Division one, you've seen a lot of. Uh, um, a lot of Division three and Division twos play Division ones really tough this yeah. year, and I think at the end of the day, you know, basketball, basketball is basketball, and and uh, you know, guys are going to go compete. Um, and I think you know, there's only one way to approach it, and it's you know, to go be us and go be you. I think that's been a really uh, priority for us of 
of emphasis within our team conversations is continuing to be us and whether us is on the defensive end, the rhythm that we try to create on the offensive end. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you have to, uh, you have to attack. And uh, I, I guess to be direct, I mean, I think for us to sit back on in any given opportunity, whether it's St. Glasgow, whether it's Northland, whether it's River Falls, you know, a division one appoint uh, opponent, you have to attack. And I think if you try to, stay conservative and, oh, we're going to take this away. Well, it's just kind of usually not how the game works. You, you have to be on attack and, um, you know, so how do you approach that? Yeah, I think you have to attack it. So yeah. Basketball is definitely a sport where you have to attack at all times. Um, if you're not attacking in basketball, you're already a step behind um, just by the nature of the sport. You, know, you, you, have to, you have to be aggressive going to the basket. You have to, you know, have confidence in the shots you're taking. Um, you, you can't play – you know, half-hearted basketball. It, that's how you're going to get blown out because um, you, you have to, you know, you have to be ready to go. Um, and I, I think that that's kind of a commonality, of course, most sports, but in a sport like basketball where there are, you know, so many different possessions, I mean, you really do have to have your mind in it mm -hmm. at uh, just about all, all times. Um, basketball is a game of runs. I mean, that's one of the old cliches, but it's, it's also true uh, in a way just because, you you know, you, there are going to be little lulls, but, you know, and that – if, if you're not playing with the right mindset, that's when you're going to get beat pretty pretty handily. Um, and then you have to execute. You know, you have to have a, it's a mindset of attacking and being, you know, and then executing at a high level. And, uh, you know, uh, in the early going against River Falls, we weren't doing that. And then after that, that's, you know, we, we did start doing that. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, I mean, it's, it sounds simple, and it's not as simple as I make it sound, but that's really, you know, the overall kind of the macro look uh, at, at what's going on in, in any given basketball game, really, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it is a mindset. You, I mean, you have to, you know, and, and you guys have a very, you know, involved bench, which helps. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I happen to think that in a sport like basketball and close quarters like that, if you have a very, you know, vocal and, and involved bench, it helps you a lot. You know, it, it helps, you know, raise the guys level on the court. Um, it gets the fans excited. Um, you know, it, it, it does really give you an extra leg up, you know, and that I, you know, Coming from the basketball world and coming from the soccer world, it's the same thing. You know, if you look at our, our women's and men's soccer coaches or benches as well, they're really involved. Like, they're very loud. They're very, you know, inspirational. And, and the players notice that. You know, maybe they don't notice it consciously at times, but it's there. Mm -hmm. And they know it's there. They know that support is there. That makes a huge difference. And a game like that against River Falls, that, I felt like that was huge for you guys, especially, you know, when they, when they got up on you by 12 in the first, you know, six, seven minutes of the game. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, we'll see, you know. And then it, it, it sort of becomes a domino effect at a certain point. At least it did for you guys on that game. So, um, you know, that's sort of a long, you know, kind of a soapbox rant there or, or, or speech I just gave about, uh, you know, uh, being aggressive. Like Javon was saying, you got to be aggressive. And, you know, Greg saying that, yeah, we have, we have to attack it aggressively, regardless of who you're playing. Mm -hmm. That's just, you have to do that. Otherwise, you're not going to win. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think just to add on to it, I think uh, just your statements there. Uh, yeah, I think our, our, you know, we talk about team and maybe guys that haven't seen the floor as much. Um, you know, you mentioned the bench or the guys that have, aren't on the floor at the time. I think it's a huge piece, and it's it's all about environment. It's all about, you know, any sport. Uh, you mentioned closed quarter sport, you know, like basketball very much is. There's, there's a great deal of emotion. Um, and I think, you know, while we understand and recognize, and I'm obviously a um, – 
I don't know if I should be the spokesman for this, but uh, to to you know to carry a poise and a calmness to you at times is is very powerful. But it's an emotional game, and I think to have that in the raw, if you will, is is a is a is a weapon too. Um, obviously, you got to handle that the right way and, and go about it the right way. But I think whether it's myself, whether it's players on the floor, whether it's people not in the game, whether it's the fans. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a tool within itself, too. So it, it all, it's all connected. So One thing I wanted to ask Javon quickly, going another direction here, was, okay, so I talked about how I knew you were in a zone when you hit that four-point play. Is there a time when you knew, okay, I got it rolling now? Uh, is there, was there a time in that second half against Rare Falls where you thought, okay, now I'm ready, now, now I'm ready to go off on these guys? I mean, um, did, you, did you have a moment of, of where that crossed your mind? I think the four-point play, actually. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and speaking to the energy uh, that you were talking about, the bench mob, uh, or we call them the bench mob, uh, right. but that's the energy that they bring. It's it's ridiculous, honestly. Um, I think the entire court felt that. I think the entire you know Mertz felt that. Um, that's when you can see the tides changing in that game, uh, specifically specifically like you said in that four point play. I mean, all I heard in that moment was the bench. Uh, and it was kind of like, okay, you know, now we're all collectively just, we're in a zone, we're ready to go. Uh, the guys on the court, the guys off the court, we're all, you know, we're ready to really attack this thing and just take this game over and, uh, you know, come away with the win. So, I mean, I think that was probably my moment, just as, you know, you said it. It was the moment that you realized it yeah. as well. So Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I think it even occurred to the River Falls guys, if you look at that play, um, just – Jacob Butler was the guy that followed you on that one, and he turned immediately and looked at his bench and did the, I don't know what to do. And when you do, you know, when you he turned and looked at Jeff Burkoff, you know, River Falls' his longtime head coach, and he turned and did the, and then he put his arm. Like that's one of those where he realizes it. Oh, he's in his zone now. You know, there's he's going to be tough to stop the rest of the night. And you could kind of see it in the River Falls players, you know, kind of just by the way that they responded to it, that it also gets into their head too. So there is that psychological side of it. And, you know, it was – that was the moment you like you could see kind of the, the tide really turned, I mm-hmm. think, because they knew they were in it. They yeah. were in for it at that point, I think. It was it – was, and as a player, you know that. When you hit a guy and he makes a three, and the only thing you can think is – I got nothing else to <laughs> do. Yeah, I got nothing else. <laughs> I got nothing else on that play. Um, you know, because – and he's a tall kid. I mean, Jacob Butler is 6'5". And he came out and, you know, just a half second let hit, you know, hit Javon, and Javon switched that three. And I thought, boy, he didn't even touch his rim on that thing. I mean, that was as pure as it gets, and now he's going to have a four-point play. That, again, that was, a, that was a big moment in that game, and that was a big moment in terms of turning the tie completely mm-hmm. in that game. And I, I think I could tell I kind of from your reaction, too, that you realize it, too, I think. It's a, a certain level watching you down below no, after was, you hit that shot. And, yeah. No, I was, uh, you know, you could go right through a number of other great plays, and that obviously is one of them, and a, a momentum-changing play is – is as Javon said, and I think uh, um, you know I, I know I'm kind of in coach mode here, and, and I can you know maybe feel from Javon too just how important everyone is, and I think um, you know Javon makes that play; it's a great play. Um, you know, every guy on that bench, you know, going. The way the manner we practice in, we don't practice Javon making four point plays no, and, no, and, no. And, and design practice to have Nobody does that. Javon have <laughs> Yeah. The, you no know, team works on a four point play. Yeah, a big yeah. a big game like that. I mean everybody's going through every rep and everybody's, you know, going through 
the, the same preparation, whether you're going to be a guy that we know or plan on playing a lot of minutes or, or maybe you're not in that position yet. Everybody's going through the same preparation. So I think I think everybody feels it in the same manner because, you know, they, they've gone through a lot of that same preparation and, and, you know, the ball happens to be coming out of his hands and, and, and uh, you know, and that's all credit to Javon and, and other guys making plays. But everybody feels that because they've they've all gone through that that preparation. And, and that's, uh, I think, to do this, and sustain, you know, it's a day by day uh, thing. But if, if there's an opportunity to sustain this level of play, it's it's got to stay connected. And and I think we we saw the connectiveness of it too. So. Well, that was going to be my next question. Also, is okay. So you guys have had a great start to the year. We're three games in, but there's a 25 game regular season, mm-hmm. and then possibly, hopefully, some postseason in there as well. How do you maintain what you guys have started now? I mean, because you guys have started out on a real high here, and it can be tough to kind of hold that level of performance for a full season. I mean, what's the mindset got to be now for the rest of the year to maintain where you guys are at right now? Honestly, just staying consistent. I think Coach and I talked about it yesterday. Uh, everything's great when you're winning. Uh, you know, obviously we faced a little adversity in the games, but, you know, if we were to get to that point or when we were to get to that point, you know, we lose a game, you know, that's going to really tell us, you know, are we truly together? Uh, or are we just kind of riding this high horse right now? Um, so really just to answer your question to, you know, stay consistent is our uh, – uh, the word I'm looking for – our ability to stay consistent uh, throughout the year within each other. With, no uh, peaks and valleys, just, just keeping each a other. nice straight line, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, highs are going to be your highs, lows are going to be your lows. But, uh, you know, if you can kind of just find the in-between uh, between, you know, those two – I think we'll be good for the year, you know, as long as we just continue to trust one another. Uh, can't really can't turn on, you know, each other on the team because uh, that's it's easy to fall apart that way. Uh, it's easier to fall apart from within than it is uh, from an outside source. So uh, we just got to continue to believe in one another. So. Along that line, I want to ask you, he, this guy right here, he, he's had a good career here. If you take, obviously, the first three games of this year, though, and the second half of last year, it's been at a little bit different level. What transpired that brought him to the level he's playing at right now? I think um, I think there's a few pieces. I think um, um, to keep it on the basketball side of it, I think I do, I'm going to keep siding to the def- defensive side of the ball is is allows one our team to have success two it it fuels not only offensive output but it fuels you know it 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 fires the cylinders if you will I mean you can do work on the defensive end that that is going to turn into offense but you know if if that's how you push Javon's button if that's how you push our team's button on the defensive end, you know, you're going to see that offensive output. So I do think there's a, an element of that. There's an element of experience. Javon just talked about, you know, adversity. Um, you know, you talked about the second half of the year. Um, I'd say early on last year, we had some bouts of adversity. We had adversity where there was good outcomes. You know, I think, you know, I know it's been talked about at length already, not to revisit it too much, but, you know, you go down to Florida last year, while that was a good trip on paper, and it was 2-0, and it wasn't an amazing trip. There was some fight that had to go on in that trip, meaning riding a bus, being together that long. Um, 
playing two really good teams. There, there was still a, an adversity piece he had to fight through in that that has kind of molded uh, Javon, the group. I think, again, you talk about the level he's at. I think our team's at that level. I think our team has played at that level, and I think our team has played together. Um, and, again, you know, in two, three weeks or six weeks or eight weeks or whatever, there could easily be easily be somebody else in this chair be asking the same question of, you know, well, Joseph Fahrenholz is playing at this level, Reed Johnson, TJ Mulberg. I would give the probably the same answer um, that would apply to all of them. And and then and then to Javon's credit and others on our team as well, there's there's a, a commitment and a dedication not only to the team but his own individual preparation, whether it be in the gym, in the weight room, his body. Uh, ability to reflect and, and process things, um, you know, his connectiveness. He's always been a great teammate, but I think I think that's reached another level too. Um, so I think it's a culmination of all all those pieces. So I tend to agree. Um, you know, and this is John. You and I have talked about this in podcast before. There was a turning point I think last year, uh, just before the holidays. Um, you know, made the trip down to Stevens Point. And yeah, I, you brought I, that game up a few times. Yeah, and that was a game where uh, I. If I'm being perfectly honest about what I saw in that one, um, you know, in the first half we had a bad case of bus legs. Uh, and they were just a half step faster. Uh, they made some shots, and we got down big in the beginning. And we were down, I think, by 11, 12 points at halftime, something like that. And it was double figures. And I thought, okay, well, let's see what we got in the second half. And then the way that you guys played that second half, you could just see, like, that confidence turn. And it was truly a case where, you know, there's an old saying, or, or I don't forget what coach it was that said, you know, we didn't lose, we ran out of time. And that was what happened against them because they were scrambling at the end. We ended up, I think, losing by three. Mm-hmm. And we completely dominated that second half against them on their home court. And you could kind of see that turn at that time. And then going down to Florida and getting that win against John Carroll. And then from there, it just sort of, it's, it seemed like the team hit another gear. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like the team has stayed at that gear now. Right. You know, f- carrying over from the end of last year into this year. So, um, those are those changes, you know, and those are those moments, again, fighting through that adversity, you mm-hmm. know, like, like Coach Greg was talking about here, um, where the guys really, even though they lost that game technically to Stevens Point, you could really see that there was a change happening, I sure. think, in mindset and approach and aggressiveness and confidence on the court. And it, it's it's been there pretty much ever since based on what I've seen. So um, you agree with that? Yeah, and I think just to bring it full circle and just be real about it, um, you know, I think Javon mentioned early on about, you know, or somebody brought up, you know, how we ended the year last year and you know, ended a lot in a loss. And, and, we're, and we're in this year. I mean, we're three games in. We're 20-some we're practices in, so we're clearly here. But to if, if we didn't recognize the fact that there was some, whether you want to call it adversity, whether you want to call it reflection, whether you want to call it just, you know, staring yourself in the mirror, after the season ended to really going into this year. And I, um, and we don't, I, I've even made a statement, multiple statements to our team of not talking about last year. Not that we can't, but like, we're here now, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're you know, we can reflect on last year to a certain degree and, and we're probably getting to the end of that road, but you talk about adversity and, and you talk about where he's been since the second half and our team um, and everyone, you know, there was, even though we weren't practicing playing games, you know, there were things that we had to, you know, work through 
after the season. And, and I mean just in a sense of, okay, where do we go now? Where do we go now? You know, that can be good and, you know, that can be celebrated. But at the end of the day, you want to keep improving. So I think that's the challenge is, okay, well, things are good. Good, if you will, if you want to look at a, you know, win-loss. But, you know, that is what a lot of people look at. How do you keep improving? So I think there you really have to really dig in deep and reflect. And I say that, you know, to the question, to the interview, you know, to the microphone, but that, that all comes from these guys and, and I can say whatever I want, but it's up to them to do that. And they have done that. And I think that comes with maturity, that comes with caring, that comes with their yeah, their pursuit of, of what we want to do daily. And that's that's all a credit to them, every one of the guys. Yeah, I mean, you compared to like, you know, shifting gears and you know, Coach P talks about improving every year. Uh, the way I see it, it's kind of like, you know, a car model. You know, you have a 2015 Toyota. Uh, well, next year we don't want to be a 2014 Toyota. Uh, we want to be the new model 2016 Toyota. Well, I guess this case, 2024 20, Toyota. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, I know where you're going. Yeah, yeah I know where you're yeah, going. It's kind of yeah. like, you know, you don't want to take that step backward after seeing all the progress that you've made, seeing all the work that you put in. Um you want to keep, you know, moving forward and keep taking those steps to just be better than you were before because even outside of basketball, um, you just want to keep improving every day. Uh, you know, you don't want to stay stagnant uh, because then, you know, it's kind of just, you know, you're in a neutral zone. You you always want to be um, at your best, uh, you know, whether it is whatever facet you do in your life, whether it's reading a book, you know, maybe you read two pages yesterday it's four pages today you know you just kind of you want to keep improving uh oh. i know that analogy kind of took a little turn right there from a car to a book but uh i think we yeah. get the gist we get yeah. it something yeah. like that the gist, you know? yeah. Yeah. i want to be conscious of the time because i know it is game day for them and yeah. you know this will air on friday so this game will be over but want to touch on on this game coming up now tonight uh saint scholastica not in the umac anymore but do you still look at them as probably your biggest rival or has it lost some of that because they aren't a conference partner anymore i think it's definitely still a rival i think um you know just out of amount of touches if you will you know we've you know you look at a team like bethany lutheran we played them three times we played northwestern three times last year so i think naturally that can become a bit more of a rivalry just because we're playing them more but i think the saint scholastia game for anybody that is here now, anybody that's been here before, anybody that'll be here in the future, um, that's always a big game. There's definitely a rivalry feel to it. I, you know, I just recently watched, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we opened up with them last year, and I just recently watched that game, and uh, you know, we we came away with that win, and there was a, a ton of great plays and you know highlight level plays, if you will, in that game. But that that was the dogfight game. That really was. I mean, Reed Johnson really got hot that game. Joey Barker, I think, probably sent his or set his all time dunk uh, count at a high. I think he had three in that game. So you remember that feeling, um, but. Glasgow was right there, and you know um, it, it was a tough game. Uh, they just played Northwestern tough on the road, so it's it's going to be a challenging game. And I think, you know, whether it be talking or thinking about or emotional emotionally processing the weekend that just was, excuse me, uh, this this game ahead is is 
we're going to have our hands full for sure. And that's a credit, obviously, to Sklaska. And that's a rivalry game. And, um, you know, and they're, they're early on in their season, too. And they're, yep. they're fighting and scrapping. And uh, so, yeah, we'll have our hands full tonight for sure. We call it a border battle for a reason. So right they're our crosstown rivals, right. so to speak. Yep. So yep. there's always we always want an upper edge on the other <laughs> side of uh, on the other side of the bridge. So oh yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, and John, you were a part of that rivalry, so you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, from the hockey standpoint, right? And so yeah, it is special. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter where the two teams are at. Right. Um, you know, it's there's an old saying about also, since we're going with analogies and old things here, in this one, um, you know that. With all the records out when a rivalry game happens, that's pretty much the case. Yeah, you know they're one and one. You guys are three and zero, oh, but that doesn't really matter. Right. You know it's it's what's in front of you right now. You know and how you're going to play this game tonight. So, well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Should be a fun one, for sure. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's a good spot to end it on. Any any final thoughts, Matt? No, I you know I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm excited to see where you guys can go. Um, uh, also, by the way, the uh, rubber ducky. As, uh, as the, uh, yeah, he autographed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so nice. it says Javon Walker number 25 nice. on it. So. <laughs> it, it, it literally is now his rubber duck. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how far you guys can take it. Um, you know, I, 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 I saw the non-conference schedule, and I thought, you know, Greg's loaded up a bit. Uh, this is a challenging slate. Um, but so far you guys have really answered the bell. And uh, hopefully, you know, I'm hoping to see more. That's, that's where I'll end it. All right. right. Yeah, there you go. That'll do it for this week's podcast and i want to thank coach polkowski javon walker the rubber duck family for joining us he's the big sound matt johnson i am john garber and thank you for watching i have the swarm